0: Hi everyone, I'm Annika Duffery and welcome to World Deconstructed, where we will break down complex international topics for busy teenagers like you. In this episode, we will be looking at Turkey and their recent presidential elections. And while you may wonder why this election matters to anyone outside Turkey, I promise this election can have far-reaching consequences, including NATO's efforts in maintaining the balance of power in Europe. So let's get started and dive into the 2023 Turkish presidential election. First, let's start with a brief history of Turkey. Originally founded in 1923, Turkey's history stretches much further back, all the way to the Roman Empire. When the Roman Empire broke off into its eastern and western halves, Constantinople, present-day Istanbul, became the center of power in the Eastern Roman Empire. Since then, the city and much of the land around it has been in a constant state of flux changing from Muslim to Christian and back again. This history still impacts Turkey today, as it lies at the crossroads of the East and the West and their ideologies. Eventually, much of present-day Turkey became part of the Ottoman Empire, growing in power and influence until its peak in the 15th and 16th centuries. However, afterward, internal issues, such as corruption and economic problems, led to a decrease in the Ottomans' influence. And at the end of World War I, when the empire collapsed, several other states ended up taking its place. In 1923, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, founded the Republic of Turkey and implemented sweeping reforms to build a progressive, modern, and secular Turkey, and is one of the most respected and influential leaders of the 20th century. After World War II, Turkey sided with the U.S. in the Cold War, eventually joining NATO and being a key player in U.S. strategy with Russia and the Middle East. Through its tumultuous history, Turkey has gone back and forth on human rights, the nature of religion in their government, the power of the military and more, all of which has led to an extremely unsteady economy and an interesting power dynamic in the region. Next, let's talk a little bit more about the current leader of Turkey. The current president of Turkey is Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who has served as Turkey's leader for the past 20 years longer than any former leader, including even Ataturk, as a part of the Justice and Development Party, or the AKP. Erdogan and his party first came to power as Prime Minister in 2002, while showing Islamic leanings. Erdogan and the AKP were originally met with distrust and apprehension by many of Turkey's military leaders and elite. You know how they say, the early bird catches the worm but that also means that the early worm catches the bird's eye. And in this case, it caught the attention of Turkey's military leaders and elites. In order to counter this, Erdogan spent his early years trying to improve human rights and the freedom of the press in order to gain acceptance from the West and gain an upper hand over Turkey's elites. Erdogan's efforts to gain acceptance from the West is like trying to win over your in-laws by doing all their chores for them. Sometimes you just have to go the extra mile. But beyond just this acceptance, the increase of democratic values in Turkey mixed with a more Islamic-leaning government showed many Middle Easterners how the two could coexist and dramatically increase Turkey's power in the region. This vision of coexistence not only turned heads in the Middle East, but also made a great case for those who believe pineapple belongs on pizza. And if you haven't tried it, you don't know what you're missing out on. It tastes amazing. But on a foreign policy front, Erdogan believes Turkey should have the influence to be a leader, not only in its region, but globally, and seeks to increase Turkey's role in international organizations. The first challenge to Erdogan's leadership was in 2010 when the military leaders tried to veto a member of Erdoğan's party from ascending to their proper role. After the veto failed, much of the Turkish military was humiliated, pushing them out of Turkish politics ever since. After this point, Erdoğan began consolidating power under his authority and in 2017 advocated for a referendum that changed Turkey's government from a parliamentary system to a presidency. However, unlike the United States presidential system, which is full of checks and balances, the type of presidential system that Erdogan put in place gave the president a large majority of the power, with very few, very limited checks. Erdogan would make a great video game player, very skilled at leveling up quickly, making short work of level bosses. He would be a great speedrunner. This referendum also led to a dramatic rollback of human rights, including the dismantling of a free press and independent institutions, and creating a system where dissent is essentially prohibited. Not only are most of the media companies in Turkey owned by close friends and family of Erdogan who prevent bad press from being published, but many journalists have also stopped critiquing the government after seeing others jailed, fined, and fired for dissent. After all, freedom of speech is usually guaranteed, even in dictatorships. It is freedom after speech that is not. And while Erdogan was consolidating power domestically, he also became more authoritative in his foreign policy. In 2010, Erdogan teamed up with Brazil to keep an agreement with Iran over its nuclear program against much of the West, which promoted sanctioning Iran instead. Then in 2011, Erdogan brought Turkey into the Syrian civil war and clashed with the U.S., who wanted Turkey to stop ISIS from traveling through Turkey into Syria. Since then, Erdogan has used drones and mercenaries in Libya to support the government and in Azerbaijan to support their claim to disputed territory. He has sent the Turkish navy looking for resources into Greek waters and failed to stop even when pressured by much of the West. Erdogan has also stayed much closer to Russia than most of the West would have liked, not only buying anti-aircraft missiles from Moscow in 2020, but also not sanctioning Russia after its unlawful invasion of Ukraine. Beyond sanctions, however, Turkey has also prevented Finland and Sweden from joining NATO, leading many to further question Turkey's allegiance to the alliance. Eventually, Turkey dropped their opposition to Finland joining NATO, and if you want to learn more about the effects of that event, check out our first episode, where we explain all about NATO and why Finland joining is so important. Throughout these endeavors, Turkey's people have been behind its precedent. Much of the press considers these policies successes, and much of the Turkish people follow suit believing in Erdogan's vision of a turkey on the world stage at a level not seen for over a hundred years. Erdogan's leadership journey is like a roller coaster ride with its ups and downs. It's a good thing he has a strong grip on the handlebars of power. But your friends will be quick to remind you that until you ride the roller coaster with both arms in the air, you are still a scaredy cat. So what makes this election so different and so special? Erdogan's opponent, Kılıçdaroğlu, is a member of the Republican People's Party, the CHP, and has been the main opposition leader in Turkey for over 10 years. However, in this election, Kılıçdaroğlu has also built a block of six parties from all sides of the political spectrum to support him in his effort to remove Erdogan from power. This has never happened before, where all political parties have aligned like this. Additionally, Kılıçdaroğlu has gained the support of many of the mayors of the biggest cities in Turkey, such as Istanbul and Ankara. The biggest reason this election is so different is how close it will be, splitting the country evenly between the two candidates, down to every last household. Erdoğan. Kılıçdaroğlu, tabii ki de. Until now, Erdogan has won his elections with room to spare, but in this election, it will be a tight victory or perhaps even a loss for Erdogan. Erdogan might be Erdogan this time around. Polling done for the election had Kulisaroglu over the 50% threshold needed to win. And there are several factors that led to such a close election, which has turned more and more voters away from Erdogan than ever before. First up, the earthquake that shook Turkey earlier this year, which holds a death toll of more than 50,000 people. In addition to the death toll itself, the earthquake exposed corruption and negligence in the government's enforcement of building codes that likely contributed immensely to the extremely high death toll. Next, an economic crisis that has hurt many in Turkey, turning them against Erdogan and his party. A combination of inflation and currency devaluation has led the price of food increasing by over 50% this past year, leaving many Turkish families unable to buy food and going hungry. By the way, it is a great time to take a vacation in Turkey this summer. Lastly, while Erdogan's political Islam is popular with many of the conservatives and Muslims in his country, many progressives and secularists do not want religion to be anywhere near politics. Put together, these three issues have pushed more and more Turkish voters away from Erdogan in this election. And leading up to the elections, it has increasingly looked like Erdogan might have to quit. Cold turkey. So what have been the results? The first round of the election was held on May 14th, when neither Erdogan or Kilicdaroglu were able to reach the 50% minimum needed to secure a victory. However, Erdogan was in the lead at 49.5% compared to Kilishtar Olu's 44.9%. This result has been contested by Kilishtar Olu's party, who believe Erdogan's government has blocked certain votes from being counted using bureaucratic red tape. Kilishtar Olu's party still believes neither candidate reached 50%, but believes it was in the lead at the end of this first election. Since neither candidate reached 50%, a second runoff election is being held the day this episode is being recorded, May 28th, where only Erdogan and Kilishter Olu are on the ballot, ensuring one of the two candidates will reach the 50% minimum. A key player in who may win this runoff is Ogan, who received 5% of the vote in the first election. Since, Ogan has thrown his support behind Erdogan, greatly increasing his chances for victory in the runoff election. The remaining candidate, Inge, has given his support to killer Star Olu. However, he only received 0.44% of the vote in the first election, not dramatically affecting results of this runoff election. Now, how will this election impact Turkey and the world? Erdogan's win will be like winning the final boss fight for him. After that, there is no real threat between you and winning the whole game. If Erdogan wins, Turkey continues on its current trend, both domestically and globally. Erdogan will continue to be aggressive in his foreign policy and likely continue consolidating power. Additionally, while Erdogan does have a few policies that could help Turkey's middle class, including bonuses for retirees, free natural gas to households, and increases to the minimum wage, his overall intervention in Turkey's central bank's affairs will continue rampant inflation, allowing the prices of food to continue to rise. Beyond that, human rights in Turkey will continue to degrade. The press will still not be able to print what it wishes, and the opposition to the government will continue to be imprisoned minorities, and underrepresented groups, such as women, LGBTQ, Kurds, and more, will have their rights continue to be taken from them by Erdogan. After all, Erdogan has the same problem as Little Miss Muppet. They both have Kurds in their way. On the other hand, if Kilistar Olu wins, he plans to closer align Turkey with the West, including applying for EU and strengthening Turkey's ties with NATO. Additionally, he will follow much of NATO's lead in sanctioning Russia due to their invasion of Ukraine. A Kilishter Olu presidency would further isolate Russia on the world stage and possibly even clear a path for Sweden to join NATO, something Erdogan has been holding up. Domestically, Turkey's financial markets seem to want Kilishter to win, in contrast to Erdogan's policies of cutting interest rates due to inflation. Kilistar Olu wants to reverse the policy and increase rates instead, which would help stop runaway inflation and help bring stability back to Turkey's economy. Kilostra Olu has also promised to restore the freedom of the press and stop the downward trend of Turkey's human rights. Additionally, an Erdogan loss can provide a symbol to the world that nationalism is losing and democracy can be on the rise once more, especially when the global trend seems to be going the other way. However, since the first election, Kilostra Olu has changed his tone to become more nationalist, vowing to expel millions of Syrian refugees in order to appeal to the Turkish people. You have to give it to the guy. Kilostra Olu gave it his all to get the word out. He had enough mics and then added some more and then some more until mics are falling off. We are getting some breaking news, Erdogan has won the runoff election with 52% of the vote. With a renewed mandate from the voters, Erdogan is unlikely to back down. His victory shows how much of Turkey still sides with him, despite high inflation, believing it is necessary in order to ensure a strong foreign policy. On a more global front, Turkey's objection to Sweden joining NATO is likely to continue, preventing the nation from becoming a member of the alliance. Turkey will likely continue to play both sides of the war in Ukraine, both selling Ukraine weapons, but also refusing to sanction Russia, and in a result, continue to irk the West. Wow, what an episode. Our first episode with live breaking news. That's our breakdown of Turkey's elections and its impact. If you wanna learn more about this topic, check out these links, further exploring the topic, all in the description below. Have you read an article you don't understand? or a headline you want more details on? Tell us in the comments down below and we will deconstruct it for you. Do you have any recommendations on how we can improve this show for you? Please tell us in the comments down below. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when our next episode drops. Make sure to share this episode with your friends as well. And next episode, we will break down the war in Sudan and its regional and global implications. See you next time!